We'll take our text from chapter 27 of the Acts of the Apostles. Acts 27, verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. This statement of Paul on that ship in the middle of a storm was on the eve of the 14th day of that storm. It was 14 days ago that we looked at the forecast and were promised that there would be snow coming. Well, when in Portland, at least, we don't get snow every year. So it was exciting. There's something beautiful about these great big snowflakes falling and a fresh blanket of snow on the ground and uh, on the campground when we uh, come to church and see, see that. There's the risk of disappointment. How many times have we been promised snow and we get nothing, just a big nothing? I don't know how they title that in the in the headlines. They try to title, you know, Blizzard 2024 or maybe the Great 2024 Fizzle instead. But uh, that often happens, so we think, well, a bit dismissive, maybe, maybe not. The kids want to build a snowman. When the snow starts coming, there's more excitement. Adults act like kids. Maybe there's a day off of school for the those younger. But this, this was a storm of a different kind. And actually, our storm was a storm of a different kind as well. There wasn't a day off of school. There has been a week off, I guess. Then there comes power outages, basements full of water, 17 hours in a vehicle trying to get home. What happened to the fun, anyway? That storms were fun. Housebound inconveniences, really. And in the whole scheme of life, what we've just encountered is mostly an inconvenience, a nuisance. And much as, like life, uh, these things uh, come and go. The weather cycles over the decades. So do the storms of life. And that's what we're interested in today. These uh, storms of life come our way. They're not forecast. If you knew it was coming, I don't know what you would do. We would brace ourselves, I guess. But they're coming. So it's important that we prepare for that fact because they cycle through life as well. Uh, and there's certainly much more uh, severe than a, a weather event such as what we have enjoyed and are still coming out of. They're not uh, enjoyable. They're not convenient. Uh, the storms of life that we encounter... They're not all um, life-changing, but they certainly are life-impacting. If they weren't, 
they would not be the type of storm that we're talking about. And and uh, Paul was in the midst of this atmospheric storm on the sea in a in a ship, but not like a, a ship that some of you have ridden on or or been on for a cruise. This would be a, a smaller. Uh, much smaller than that, although this one held 276 people. So it was big enough for that. But the storms of life are represent spiritual forces that are brought to bear upon us. We, uh, we don't really want them to come, but they will come. Some are self-inflicted, but self-inflicted or not, they still exist. So we certainly want to be able to weather them In a sense, they're temporary. Temporary is a relative word. Temporary can be a lifetime. Paul spoke to that as well when he referred to our light affliction, which is but for a moment when compared to eternity. Paul knew storms. He wrote of that as well. He he spoke of in journeys, uh, journeyings often, in perils of waters, paraphrasing of robbers, of mine own countrymen, by the heathen, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness, and physical afflictions certainly have bearing on our uh, spiritual uh, condition, our walk with God. There's no, no doubt about that. Those are storms. But the storms need not define us. What defines Paul is found in this declaration here, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. I believe God. God had given him a promise. God had given him a promise uh, earlier that he would uh, go to Rome. He's on his way to Rome, encounters this uh, hurricane-like force of winds and waves, their lives were in jeopardy. They were cold. They were hungry. Uh, they reached a point where even Luke, who uh, wrote of this, had no hope that they would be saved. But Paul received another promise, a confirmation of the earlier promise. And so he stands up and declares to uh, these uh, 275 others, um, Fear not. For an angel appeared unto me and told me that I must appear before a Caesar. And furthermore, God has given me all of you. We shall arrive safely. Uh, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. About that time, I wonder if some of them were saying, be of good cheer. Let's throw this guy overboard. But be of good cheer, he says, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I believe God. God was going to take him through. He had experience, as I just read to you, by what he had written to the church at Corinth. He knew what it was to be in a storm of life. 
It seems like with him, they cycled through more than decade by decade, but day by day. Nevertheless, he believed God, and he, he quoted the psalmist uh, when he was again writing to those at Corinth, when he said, the psalmist said, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We believe. No matter what storm lands or blows across your life, we believe God. God will take you through. God will help you weather that storm, whether it be one of 14 days or 14 years or of an entire lifetime. It's temporary. There's a better day coming. So you can believe that God will help you sustain, uh, be sustained in that storm. The psalmist also said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Well, we've seen the goodness of God, and that is why we believe and therefore speak, knowing that God will certainly take us through. Paul shows us, uh, without intending to during this storm, how to not only survive a storm, but to thrive during a storm. That's God's intent. The question arises, why, why does God allow storms to come? Why does he send storms? Well, the simple answer is, I don't know. We don't know. But we believe God. And uh, faith does not demand an explanation. Even if we demanded it, it would not come. Job uttered his complaints regarding the storm of life that he faced. And uh, his debate, a lot of it with himself and some with those friends. But in the end, God didn't really answer his questions. In the end, God just spoke and, and declared himself sovereign. God does what he will do when he wants to do it in the manner he chooses. We can't control the storm. If we could, we would make it disappear. But it doesn't, it, and we can't control it. We can only control how we conduct ourselves during the storm. And that's what Paul did. God ordains them for reasons we may never understand. Once in a while, we surmise this is why God did what he did, but who has the mind of God to, to know his divine purpose in the whole scheme of life. We, we may be half right, but certainly there's much more involved than what we can ever understand. And, and we don't need to understand. We don't need an explanation. We're not demanding of God uh, reasons. We, uh, we just know that God is good. We have tasted and seen that God is good. The centurion in the scripture reading, or perhaps a little bit before it began, uh, believed the master and the owner of the ship more than he believed God, who had forewarned him that damage would come if they set sail during this uh, winter season on the Mediterranean Sea. But uh, we see that Paul wasn't believed. He should have listened to Paul. It makes a, a difference who you listen to. In Proverbs 25.19, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. 
Well, just one of those things would be problematic, a broken tooth. But a broken tooth and a foot out of joint certainly is problematic. And so is confidence in an unfaithful man. Better listen to those who are worthy of hearing. That will help us. The centurion didn't do that. He did not believe Paul. He believed the owner of the ship who, like so many um, what problems that, that exist or controversies that exist, follow the money. Well, the owner of the ship stood to gain uh, monetarily, though he ironically lost it all. But uh, faithful words, or faithful are the wounds of a friend in contrast, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So you'd rather have a friend tell you the truth than have an enemy flatter you. Either way, this what the East Coast calls a hurricane. The West Coast hurricanes, I guess, uh, originate in, in warm water. The Pacific Ocean is not warm where we live. So the, the biggest storm we have to compare with perhaps is the Columbus Day storm. Many of us were around in the early 60s when that storm hit. It was, it was, it started to be fun. We got out of school early. The principal came across the PA system and announced that we would be going home. The forecasting methods didn't, uh, weren't sophisticated in that day, so they could only tell what might be coming uh, to the Northwest by what had happened in the Bay Area and what had happened to the weather um, monitors coming up the, from the south, up the coast of Oregon, where they were being blown off after they reached the, the maximum reading. So they knew, knew something ferocious was coming and uh, we, we got to get out of school. But I remember uh, still now getting off that school bus and having my mom run out from the house to the, to the bus to greet us because our home was under all these big tall uh, oak trees that ultimately survived the storm for the most part, though a lot of limbs, uh, heavy ones, were down. So after a while, it wasn't fun, but I was only a grade school kid, so I didn't understand all that, but I've read about it since. That, that was a storm. It passed. Buildings were destroyed. Uh, lives were lost. But here, we don't call them uh, hurricanes. I guess we call them, it, it originated as a typhoon in the South Pacific and came up, we just call them the Columbus Day Storm in that case. In this case, they had to cast their, their ship or their care to the storm. They couldn't control it. So they let the storm guide them, if you will. Well, such as, such as life, we can't fight it. We must learn how to navigate within it. And that, that's what they did. They reached a point early on where they passed uh, by an island and could undergird the ship. Nobody seems to know what, what that means. They thought they could keep it from falling apart, I guess, by uh, securing it somehow, some way. 
I picture wrapping it in duct tape, but I don't think that was was the idea. Um, either way, we, we need to be undergirded, and it'll take more than duct tape to sustain you through the storms of life. Well, where do you go to be undergirded? Well, you're here. You come to the house of God. You uh, drop to your knees in the sanctuary of the Lord, the house of prayer. At home, you uh, find a, a closet of prayer, whether it be a literal closet or just a spot at home where you can drop to your knees and look heaven's way for this undergirding. God does it. They had to leave there quickly because of quicksand. And they were told, well, they were given a clue what, what to do in the middle of a storm when your life is threatening. Uh, and that is continue sailing. You keep going. You don't uh, panic as much as you uh, can prevent that. You simply look God's way and continue sailing. You keep going. You embarked on this uh, journey toward heaven uh, when you got saved. And when the storms of life come, you, you keep doing what you did when you started. You keep going in that direction. God will, will get you there somehow, some way. After a while, uh, during this, this storm, they realized they needed to lighten the ship. They threw some things overboard. They had to deem uh, what was essential and what was non-essential. Those are words that we didn't use so much a few uh, years ago. But uh, I'm not sure what, what all that was because they waited another day before they threw over the tackling and longer yet before they threw over the wheat. But they uh, certainly had to prioritize. And that's what we do to, to weather a storm, to be sustained in the storm. We prioritize what is perhaps an encumbrance in our life, what is uh, hindering us in the middle of the storm, and we eliminate it. How, how bad do you need it? Well, at first, they, they lightened the ship as they evaluated what they had on board and what they deemed essential and what they deemed non-essential, and they got rid of what was non-essential. But a day later, when the winds were so ferocious, they reevaluated. And so it is, God will uh, bring to our mind that reevaluation moment where we can uh, determine, does this, is this really helpful in my walk with God? It seemed to not be a hindrance yesterday, but today... The Lord is bringing to bear, just as the storm brings to bear the spiritual forces that will try to sink our ship. So we reevaluate and think, you know, what I thought wasn't the hindrance is a hindrance after all. So what, what will you do with it? They threw the tackling overboard. This won't do us any good. It's not like we're going to, uh, to, need, it, to need it to guide us safely to shore. Well, we just need to survive. Well, the Lord will help you to do better than survive. If our goal is survive, uh, we need to raise our expectations to where uh, we can expect God will help us to thrive. That's why he sent the storm or allowed the storm that we might profit from it. That way we might be more what God would have us to be. We don't, we don't grow so well. Smooth sailing, do we? We try. I mean, we we're, we're conscientious, we're uh, determined, but it's when we're brought to our knees, 
in desperation and saying, Lord, I do not know what to do. I do not know how I'm going to go forward. Well, that's when the development occurs. Teenagers, early teens, sometimes have, our kids did at least one of them, growing pains, cramps in the legs. You're growing. Oh, I feel better already, they said. No, they didn't say that, but uh, that's what's happening. You're growing. That was the hope when you were born. And that's the hope when we're born again as well. Well, they reached that that eve of the 14th day, when, as I mentioned, even Luke, uh, as he wrote, all hope was lost that they would even uh, be saved. But uh, in that uh, period, that earlier promise that was given to Paul before he appeared, before Felix and then Festus and then Agrippa, when the Lord stood by him and he heard the words, be of good cheer. That was before he got on this ship. For thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness in Rome. Paul was always hopeful. He had reason to be. He had weathered the storms. His life was, was uh, that's what it was, one after another. But he weathered them. He said, we're troubled on every side. And paraphrasing again, troubled on every side, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. Well, if he would have stopped there, we would have given up. But he continued. Uh, Again, paraphrasing, yet not distressed, not in despair, not forsaken, not destroyed. He was on the victory side. Are you on the victory side? We're on the victory side. We believe God that it shall be, even as He told us. He's given us His Word, and we we can't help it. We have believed, and therefore we speak. We just simply believe that God will uh, take us through uh, to the victory side. God spoke to, to Paul. The Master spoke to Paul. The Lord is a captain who has never lost a battle. It's good to be acquainted with the master of the sea and of the wind and of the life that we live. We, we want to spend time with him and have that, that assurance that he is with us. So when all evidence cries out to the contrary, we still believe God. How can we do otherwise? He saved us. He got us to that point. He's, he's brought us to this point. At a certain point in in time when they uh, were about to be uh, shipwrecked, uh, some of the uh, people would have got on the smaller boat and somehow escaped to the shore, but Paul uh, told them that this this will not work. Your reliance must be totally upon God. Cut those ropes. I'm surprised that they all cooperated, but by now they had some assurance that this man knew what he was talking about, and so they cut the only means of escape. And then Paul told them to take bread. And he did that, got them all together. They must have had a few loaves of bread left. He said, you haven't eaten in 14 days. They were probably seasick, but just weary and worn and out of energy. But as he gathered them around, he gave thanks to God. I wonder what his prayer sounded like in the middle of the storm. They're still in the storm. 
It's not like it was a Thanksgiving feast. Dear God, thank you for this food. We pray you bless it, multiply it, and help it to sustain us. Thank you for helping us survive so far through this storm. And we believe that you're going to take us through. In Jesus' name, amen. Probably much better prayer than that. I don't know. Maybe in heaven. Well, in heaven you'll have lots of time, so you can you can pursue that and do a fact check on it. But at the end of the prayer, as they ate, they were all of good cheer. It's contagious. So they headed for grounding that ship intentionally. By the grace of God, and you think of that beautiful ship. It's beautiful when they started out. Could that beautiful ship save them? No, it couldn't. Not until it was reduced to shambles. And when when it was reduced to shambles, God took that shamble-reduced ship and they were able to escape on the boards from in, in, from the water as they made their way uh, to the shore, and uh, every one of them arrived safely. I dare say the, there were murderers and robbers among that uh, the prisoners. There, was, of course, was Paul and Luke and uh, uh, others, but their lives were never the same. They had seen the hand of God work, and whatever was dealt them uh, in their future, they were probably among those who could harken back and say, you know, I believe God will take us, take me through. God will. That's the, the hallmark of Paul's life. He was not defined by the storm or by any other storm that preceded it or followed it. He was defined by the fact that he believed in God. So do we. And that's why we're going to conclude this service with an altar call and with encouragement that you, that all of us drop to our knees, look heaven's way, give thanks uh, to the God of heaven, to the master of the sea and the wind and of the storm, for God is good. We have tasted and we have seen in the land of the living that he's a blessed one to give worship to. We'll stand and sing this song. You're invited to pray.